Hello, Texans, and welcome to the show that gets you inside NRG Stadium all year long, five nights a week, 6 to 7 o'clock. Great to have you listening tonight. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you with a big program. And by big, I mean we start off with J.J. Watt in just a moment here. Bill O'Brien, we have his reaction to the schedule. You're going to hear that in segment three. Johnny and I have not been on the air to talk about the schedule yet. We've been on Cooler Talk on HoustonTexans.com and the social media channels. And yesterday we did a live show about the schedule before the schedule came out. So tonight we'll talk about the actual schedule and how it plays out for the Texans and some of the Texans' opponents as well. So you want to stay tuned for that. Huge week next week. The draft is one week from tonight. We'll have full draft coverage, 16 hours of it, here on Sports Radio 610 and TexansRadio.com and everywhere else you can pick us up. And earlier in the week, Deshaun Watson, Brian Gain, it's going to be a lot of fun. But let's kick off the program with J.J. Watt right here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. J.J., You've got your charity softball classic coming up. You're back. You've got to be excited. I am. I'm very excited about it. Now, the last time we saw you play, you were coming back from an injury, yep. and I'm seeing you take these cuts, and I'm thinking, I guess this is okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so you should have no concerns this year. I'm no very concerns. excited about it. That year, I still managed to win the home run derby over Shane, uh, so I'm very excited about <laughs> defending my title this year. And you've probably you know, lorded that over, held it over his head for a while, I'm sure. First of all, since you brought it up, Mm-hmm. Shane Leckler retires. We yes. saw your either Instagram or Twitter post about that. Yeah. Shane retiring, should go into the Hall of Fame. But what did he mean to this team, and what did he mean to you, JJ? First of all, I did not realize that I broke the news to the world. I thought everybody knew he retired. Yeah, you went Schefter. And I did not know that. Ooh. So like, we had this retirement party, which you would assume a retirement party means the world <laughs> knows you're retired. It's going to get out. <laughs> yeah. And so I posted a picture of us, and people were like, J.J. Watts says Shane Lecker's retired. And I was like, I thought everybody knew that. I didn't know. Um, but Shane is he is one of the best teammates I've ever had. He's one of the best people I've ever met. I think anybody that's met Shane or has interacted with Shane will tell you that he's as good of a guy as there comes. Um, and I'm very lucky and fortunate to have played as many years as I did with him. In my opinion, he is a surefire Hall of Famer. I don't think that there should be any question about it. I think when you look at his stats, when you look at his career and everything that he did, and if anybody truly sits down and looks at his stats and you can put him up against a a Ray guy or anybody, uh, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no question about it. That was a heck of a night, though, right, to see everybody gather for that event. What was that like for you? So it it was awesome, A, for me to see all these people and all his former teammates and see how many people cared about him, but then, B, the actual surprise itself. Shane walked in and everybody said surprise, and he thought that he ruined somebody else's surprise party. <laughs> he said, "Babe, we." He said to his wife, "He said, babe, we ruined somebody's surprise." And she's like, "No, it's your. It's for you." And then he saw Janikowski and he saw everybody, mm-hmm. and it was so cool to just kind of watch the lights turn on as he saw each person, and the memories flew back to him. And it was a special night, and everybody got up, and you have R.C. Slocum and all these people telling these great stories about Shane and what he meant to his to their lives, and you realize how over a career like he had so many years, how many different lives and how many people he affected. So back to the classic, first of all, is Leckler invited back? Does he get invited even though he's no longer playing? He he has a lifetime invite, okay. um, but it seems like he has more and more demands every year. So now this year he's not playing in the NFL anymore, so his cooler is going to be a little bit more full this yep. year. Um, but, yeah, he's coming back. He, he is adamant about being in the home run derby, even though he got lo- he lost last time. So I'm very excited to beat him again. 
and then I'm going to have him pitch for team defense because he's been a great pitcher for us through all the years. And if he gets hit in the face, he's not on the team, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who else is a contender to win this home run derby? <sighs> That's what we were discussing because every year I have guys be like, you got to put me in the home run derby. you got to put me in the home run derby because you can only have 10 in the home run derby, so I can't put everybody in. Every year these guys beg me, and I put them in, and they'll hit zero or one. And I'm like, you beg me to put you in. <laughs> Last year it was DJ Reader. <laughs> DJ Reader is like I played baseball in college. Yeah, uh, he did. He That's was, so hard though. Oh, but he was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit bombs, man. I'm gonna hit bombs. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm gonna put you in. Zilch. I was like, so I don't know. It's really with me and Shane Cush. Back when Cush was in and he mm-hmm. played in it, he he could really hit it. So he was a contender, but. Hopefully, I think uh, AJ McCarron might have a chance. He's a baseball background. Ooh. You meant Coach Cush. Coach Cushing, yeah, you're coach right. Cush, you got it. Which he doesn't uh, obviously like to yeah, hear. Yeah, we heard the scouting report that he really doesn't want to be called Coach. Oh uh, yeah, no, I've I actually haven't even thought about calling him Coach. I just call him Cush. Well, there's some there's some ammo for when you walk into yeah. the uh, Sports Performance Center. JJ, at some point in 2018, or at what point in 2018 did you feel like I'm back? Uh, I've, I've said it many times, but I don't know if I ha- have ever or will ever say that um, because I think the second you say that is when you start to be real complacent and you start to yeah. feel like, all right, I'm good. Um, but during the off season, the latter part of the off season, I would say July-ish was when I was like, all right, I'm going into this feeling pretty damn good. The training camp's going to be a good chance to get my feet back under me because my conditioning level was up and all these things started to come together. And then throughout the season, you know, that Giants game early in the year was like, okay, that there was three sacks there. Yeah. That felt like an old-school type of game. And from there, you just try and take it and roll. I know it's very different, but there's some comparison here. You watch Tiger over the weekend, and he came back from being physically down and having to recover and to win the Masters. You come back from everything you went through to have 16 sacks and get back to the top of your game. Can you relate to that a little bit maybe? You know, when I, I would never put myself in that category with how incredible his whole career has been, but I will say that when I was watching it and you hear the announcers talking about overcoming injuries and coming back and being able to perform at a high level after so many devastating injuries, there's a part of you that watches that and just knows what he's going through and knows the emotions that he has to be feeling at that moment because you've been at those low lows where you question, can I ever do it again? I mean, he's talked about it before, how he questioned if he could physically do it again. And he told people he was done at one point. And I, I can say that I've felt those feelings where you're down yeah. and you're like, you never know. Um, but then to see him triumph and to see him get back to the very top of the game, I know how good that feels too. And uh, it's such a incredible feeling. So I think that my emotions might have been even more than a regular person watching him play that because I know exactly what that feels like to be down and then to be up and how special that moment is. And he doesn't show emotion a lot. He doesn't show a lot of emotion, but I think that inside of his head it had to be that feeling where I did it. Yeah. I think he got Jim Nance to show emotion in Butler's cabin. I think he did. JJ, in 2016 when we played the Packers, you unfortunately weren't able to play due to the injury, and I thought about you when we left Lambo that day. Like, man, I hope AJ, I hope JJ's playing in the next eight years so he gets to play in Lambo. And then the news is announced that we're going to Green Bay, not only to play in the preseason game but to also practice as well. When you heard that news, what what were your thoughts? The fact that hey, I am going to get a chance to go play in Lambo. Yeah, preseason game. Who cares? It's Lambo. You're playing a game there, as Mark and I talked about. How cool is it to hear that news that you're going back home, in air quotes, to go play the Packers? I think it's actually, for me, it's cooler 
the way we're doing it than it is playing a regular season game. When we missed that game, or when I missed that game back in 2016, I was sad that I wouldn't get that chance to play in Lambeau. I mean, I just I knew I wasn't going to get it because we don't play there for eight more years. So, But this hearing that we were going to go to Lambeau and hearing that we were going to train there for a week, for me, was cooler because I went to Packers training camp as a kid. Yeah. I watched training camp there. I thought to myself, how crazy is this? These guys get to do this for a living. Like, that's their job. And I sat there as, like, a middle school kid watching them pull up to practice, watching them ride the bikes down and watching them practice. And I thought to myself, that's the best job in the world. That would be the dream right there. I stood outside asking for autographs at their parking lot. Uh, I went to one practice, and I've been to one game at Lambeau. And no matter how far I go, no matter where I go, that place will always be special just because of those memories I made as a kid. And uh, so it's really cool for me to be able to go back there, play in front of Wisconsin fans, play in front of uh, and have a lot of my family and friends who've never seen me play live get a chance to come up and watch practice and see me. Now, I could see a situation where normally in a preseason opener, Bill O'Brien might not want to put you in. In this particular game, though, I'm, get, I'm getting at least it? one play. I'm, I'll tell you this. I'm getting at least one play. If I go out there and take a knee, I'm going like, to get one like play. It's like Rudy. you yeah, got to get a exactly. Do yeah. something. Just let me tackle him. JJ, Mark and I have talked about this a little bit. I, I went to games there many, many times when I was a little kid, so I don't know that I really grasp how important Lambeau really is to the landscape of the NFL. Why, in your mind, growing up in Wisconsin, why is Lambeau such a – why is it the cathedral, as Mark Cole, like What is it about that place? I think, obviously, it has a history and tradition. I think the team being owned by the fans. You know, I think growing up in Wisconsin, I had a chance to see just the immense pride that the state takes in the team. And I think that partly is partly the difference is because the team is owned by the fans and people. Every, every household in Wisconsin has that little plaque on their wall that says, 0.000001% owner of the Packers. Um, but also it's just, for me, I mean, I grew up in a middle-class family, not rich, not poor. We couldn't, you can't afford to go to the games, but when you watch them on Sundays, it was pretty much church. I mean, it was everybody tuned in every Sunday. You had to wear green and gold. On Friday, you wore it to class. If they won, you wore it on Monday. I didn't know any different. I literally didn't, and that's how every kid in Wisconsin was growing up. It wasn't, oh, I like the Packers. It was... The Packers are our team, and I just think it's such a special bond that that place has, and it's a small town in a small city. There's nothing fancy. It's not like there's these big fancy hotels. It's just regular people up there supporting the team that they love. You know, it's great to hear you talk about Wisconsin like this. This is where you grew up, but we know you love it here. When did you officially fall in love with Houston? When did you feel that? It was... My, my rookie year, especially, I mean, near the end of it, I mean, the, the playoff game with the Bengals, it was. I mean, I, I got down here, and they, we all know that they booed me on draft day. Not everybody, but there was a, a decent <laughs> chunk of people that booed me on draft day, and so we all know that. But I fell in love with the idea of making these people see what I could do, I think. You know, I, I, I knew that wherever I went, I was going to love because that you don't have any choice. You, you want to make it. But I think that once I went through my rookie year and I saw the love and the passion and the craziness that these fans had, I was like, this is a good place for me because it's – and I've built that bond ever since, and I'm so lucky to play for a fan base like this who has shown me such incredible love over the years, whether it's on the field, whether it's with my charity, whether it's going through Hurricane Harvey and everything that we went through during that. I feel like I've grown up with this city and I've grown up with these people and they're my family. And for me, I couldn't ask for a better family to be a part of. And I, Houston is 
ingrained in me forever, and it, it does feel just as important to me as Wisconsin. Well, Jake, we get the special moment with you May 4th at the Charity Classic at Minivade Park, and I know that means so much to you. We talked about not doing it last year. So this event, there you are in front of thousands of people, but you're helping so many more, really. And John pointed out before we got on the air here about it's all over the country. It's not just Houston, not just Wisconsin. It's everywhere now. Yeah, so we I, I don't want to speak out of turn because I haven't looked at the most updated number. But the last time I checked, I believe we're in over 30 states. Um, and it's just when I, I've told this story before, but when we first filled out this paperwork during when I was in college, you have to fill out paperwork to start a charity. And it says, how much are you hoping to raise? We put $100,000 because, and that's not one year. That was total ever. We were just like, if we could ever reach $100,000, that would be incredible. I mean, I was a college junior. I didn't know. I was just trying. I was selling wristbands for a dollar. (laughs) And here we are today. I mean, multi-millions of dollars later and schools all over the country being helped. And I'm thankful to my mom and to my buddy who helped me start it. And I'm thankful to all the people who've donated and helped throughout the years and it's so much bigger than just me. Uh, I know my name is on it, and I get a lot of the credit, but there's so many people who have helped make it happen. JJ, we talked to Deshaun about this a little while ago, and when you start talking about family in Houston, it got me thinking about the McNair family, and I think back to the Monday night game against Tennessee. We found out that news late in the afternoon on Friday that Mr. McNair had passed, and then you guys, we got to play that game on Monday night. I know it was tough for everybody in the building, but you guys are on the field going through that. What was that night like with – the, the moment of silence and seeing Mr. McNair's name, and you obviously were very, very close with him and the McNair family. What was that moment like that entire night uh, against the Titans on Monday night? It was tough. I mean, obviously getting the news is extremely tough. I mean, I've been here for eight years, and so he he's all I've known. I mean, he's he's been the owner here. He's always – him and his family have always treated me with such respect and kindness. Um, so to find out that news was so tough, but then it immediately turned to okay – all he wanted to do was win. All that man wanted to do was have a team that won. And so for us to go out there and to be able to put on a performance and win that game, that was the best tribute we could give to him. And now obviously we wanted to continue that tribute throughout the year, and it didn't end the way we wanted it to. Um, but that night I thought the tribute was beautiful. I thought that the way the fans um, paid honor to him was beautiful, and I thought that the way we went out there and played and the way that the guys put on a good performance that he would be proud of was great. All right, one more for you. This program, nine weeks, what's it like for you, especially at this stage? You're healthy going into it, and you got a lot of things that you want to work on, I'm sure. New guys to meet. What is this like for you? It's a chance to – for me, it's just as much a chance to get better and stronger and faster and, and work on your physical body as it is for us all to come together as a team. Now, it's not like we're going to come out of this nine weeks and be as tight as we're going to be at the end of training camp. But this is a chance for us to, A, get to know new guys, to get to know new guys who are coming into the program, B, reacquaint with each other after we've all been gone for these weeks, see what everybody's been up to, and then C, build those bonds that make us want to play for each other and want to be better during the season. I mean, it all starts right now, and it's we're not going to be holding big kumbaya meetings or anything, right. but we're going to be shooting the breeze with each other. We're going to be in the locker room playing ping pong or playing games. We're going to, you know, I'll have the guys over, and we're going to play pool volleyball. and We're going to you do things that make you – create memories together so that later on down the road when you're in the fourth quarter of a game and it's tough you want to fight for the guy next to you because you know his family you know his background you know him well and you want it just as bad as he wants it and those the relationships are developed through it all it's not just developed on a game day
Can we please shoot pool volleyball for HoustonTexas.com? I mean, I'm just saying. I think there's a reality show here. There's a potential here. We've had some really interesting moments at pool volleyball in the past. I mean, we've had some – it gets extremely competitive. Oh, that's not shocking. What we've learned is that the offensive line is very good at it because they have a lot of length, uh, and they can stand at the net and pretty much block everything. The defensive line isn't quite as tall, but we take a lot of pride in our scrappiness in pool volleyball. Um, but we had one year, I'm not going to say any names of who or what happened, but somebody got absolutely smoked in the face by a spike. <laughs> like meet the parents. I mean, we're just as bad as meet the parents. I mean, I have a decent-sized backyard, and the ball was spiked onto the face, and it flew off of the face, back over the fence. That's how hard it was spiked. Ooh, and it was, was blood drawn? There was no blood, <laughs> Are but there, there was a very serious stoppage of play. Are there, there still hard feelings? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a – it got very real very quick, and uh, we had, like, wives and girlfriends involved, and uh, we had to, like, reevaluate our seriousness <laughs> because it was a guy that got hit, thankfully. But, I mean, yeah. that, if that ball was coming at somebody in smaller stature, it could have been a real problem. Excellent. J.J., thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. J.J. Watt, you've heard of him, and you'll be seeing him at NRG Stadium this fall as the Texans will have their home opener week two against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Johnny and I with plenty on the schedule coming up. Bill O'Brien's thoughts on the schedule as well coming up within the next half hour right here on Texans Radio. In the Hyundai Texans Radio studio, Mark Vandermeer with John Harris with you. We have not been live on the air talking about the schedule Really, we had cooler talk last night, Johnny, which is not really radio, but it feels right. like radio with visuals, which is not always the best thing when it comes to me anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I'm better I... off heard and not seen, I often say. Uh, but we haven't we haven't commented much on this. And, uh, you know, you've had 24 hours to think about it now. The schedule, your general takeaway. What's the first takeaway from the schedule? And we'll hear Bill, Bill O'Brien's comments on the schedule in the next segment, by the way. I think starting, I think it's for everybody, starting that, starting the season in New Orleans, that yeah. Monday night. I mean, it's, it's tough, but we said it last year going to New England, you know, look, there are no soft touches on this schedule. And last year, I think you could have said that. There was a stretch where we were facing some quarterbacks that weren't that great. This year, it'll be a little bit different. Last year was the year of the rookie quarterback. But yeah. This year, we're facing the veterans. We're facing Drew Brees. We're facing Phillip Rivers. We're facing yeah. Tom Brady. We're getting the, we're getting the vets. Um, the more I look at it, the less I like it. Yeah, but look, getting the Saints, I think the Saints get better. Sort of like what they tell you about, um, you know, you make a, a meal or a casserole. Like, my wife makes a really good jambalaya. But, like, the second day, it's, like, really, really good. It's kind of the Saints. The Saints get better the second, like, from week four or five on. Mm-hmm. But, like, early on, maybe that's the time to catch them. Who knows? Look, it, they're, they're – they're going to be down, probably Sheldon Rankins, probably not going to play. He tore his ACL, I believe, in that game against the Steelers late in the year last year, so I don't think he'll be there. He's a really key uh, figure on that team. They're dealing without Mark Ingram. And I went back and I watched the NFC Championship game today. I watched like the first three quarters of that. They rely pretty heavily on Ingram. That, that Ingram-Camara yeah. one-two punch. So they got to find somebody to replace that. Yeah, and too. I think that's still going to be pretty difficult. I think it's going to be difficult. Max yeah. Unger, their center, retired. So I do think they'll have a couple of additional pieces, but look, you got to cover Michael Thomas, yeah, and you got to try and slow Drew Brees, and you got to find a way to slow down Alvin Kamara. I, I, I got to be so, honest, I hate opening there. Yeah. I just think that stinks. It's tough. I mean, whether or not they're better earlier, yeah, I was thinking about it. The morning guys were talking about how 
you know, you could have a down Saints year or whatever, or however they phrased it. And I thought even a down year for the Saints at seven and nine, you know, you could mm-hmm. be one of their seven because they yeah. are so good. Breeze is so good. They could catch fire on any given day, even in a year in which they're not so good. But they've been really good. You know, they've been really good the last couple of years. And I think it's going to be a real tough out for the opener. You know, it's a rip off the band aid kind of game. But look, you got to play it the way they give it to you, right? Yeah. What are you gonna What are you gonna do about it? I think mm-hmm. the other aspect to me is I started looking at the teams in the division. Right. What What else in the teams in the division? Because we got the prime time games. Thursday night against the Colts and then Sunday night against the Patriots. It'll be tough, but they're both at home. So the other thing is having a primetime game with such short travel with two New Orleans is is great. That's that's fantastic. But I look at the other divisions. Remember last year when we talked about what was the first thing that stood out about the schedule? Oh, man, we start the first two on the road against two playoff teams. Well, Indianapolis starts on the road at Chargers at Tennessee. Then I you've like got this. Tennessee starting at Cleveland, and then they get a visit from Indianapolis. Jacksonville starts with Kansas City at home, and then they come here. So it's not like anybody in the AFC South is getting any soft touches coming out of the gate. So point. the fact that Indianapolis gets those two right out of the gate. Here's what I don't like. Guess who gets a bye right before a visit from the Texans? No. Yes, the no. Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts in Week 5 – Go to Kansas City like we do. Mm-hmm. So Kansas City gets us and the Texans back-to-back at home. Week 5, KC, uh, Indianapolis. Then Indianapolis gets a bye week while we're at Kansas City. And then the next week we go back out to Indy. That's the stretch right there, I think, that'll tell us what kind of football team this is going to be. They're going to be at the Steelers, the Colts, mm-hmm. which I do like. Yep. All right, that'll be in week November. Nine. Yeah, week nine. They're going to be at the Chiefs, so I like that they have to go there as well. Mm-hmm. And that was where they lost the playoff game in the divisional round. Now, the AFC East team that they have based on finish, the Miami Dolphins. Really? Yeah. Texans have the Patriots at their place. The Colts have the Dolphins at their place. How did the Colts did... get the Dolphins? Oh, I guess they tied with Tennessee. Did oh, the Dolphins come in second? No, no. The Dolphins came in second in the East. Oh, yeah, they did. Oh, my gosh. That's it was that gift. bad. The Patriots play in the most putrid division in the history of but football. But you know what? The Dolphins pushed them all the way to the limit last year and actually should have beat them. Had a 10-point lead, if I remember correctly, late the in the game. Yeah. Against yeah. the Colts. They did. Yeah. At their place. Oh, right? this is a different Miami team. The one thing about Indianapolis' schedule, though, if you look, three of the last four mm. are Ooh. on the road, including at... New Orleans. At New Orleans, Late December year. 16th. That's a night game. That'll be interesting. Uh, they'll also have the Panthers at home, and then they'll be at the Jags to close it out. I mean, you want to talk about closing kick. That Saints game is tough, but when you look at the other ones, on paper anyway, at the Bucks, Panthers, Jags, like I said, that doesn't look terribly daunting. You know, it's funny because I'm looking at the Jags again like, well, this should be a win. Wait a minute. They have Nick Foles. Like, yeah. You have to remind it's yourself be a different team. that this could be a very different team with Nick Foles at the trigger. I don't think – let me ask you this. If you had to pick the division right now, like this second, you have to go one through four. Forget about one and two. Texans, Colts, Jags, <laughs> Titans. I think it's very tough to win this division. I, I Texans, think- Colts, one and, and, and however you slice it. But to me, there is a definitive gap between Texans, Colts, and the other two. And Titans-Jags. Right. Do you still put the, the Titans ahead of the Jaguars? No, I just said Jaguars against, ahead of the Titans. I put Jaguars three. Okay. I think Foles makes a difference for them. I think the Jags have a discernible elite defense. I think the Titans 
are hit or miss defensively. That's the, that's the best point right there. And lest we forget that even a bad Jacksonville team took care of business against New England, mm-hmm. beat the Colts 6 nothing somehow yeah. late in the season <laughs> yeah. when the Colts were going good. Yeah. The Colts were going good at that point, and then they hit the brakes with a 6 nothing loss at Jacksonville. Of course, what was the one team that just ground Jacksonville into submission? Tennessee. Right. But weird. I, it is. You know what's weird? Indianapolis and, and Houston, we've knocked each other off. They beat us here. We beat them there. It's been like that for the last you know, probably four or five years. But Tennessee owns Jacksonville. Tennessee mm-hmm. owns Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But Indy owns Tennessee. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre the way that it's really gone in this division. But last night, Mark, I was listening to NFL radio pretty late. Um, I, was, I had to run out and get chocolate because um, that's what you, you do when you have a, a daughter. And so I went out to the store to get chocolate. I don't know, it was 10-ish. And I was listening to uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, and they had on Mike North, who's the senior director of broadcasting, I think, yeah. for the NFL. So he's instrumental in the schedule, along with Howard Katz and then my buddy Blake Jones, who's my quarterback many, many years ago. And so there's one other person involved. So it's like the four of them. And they were talking about how the schedule was, was put together and the things that they really took into account. And one of the things that I, to hear – to hear Mike say this, I was like, whoa. But he was talking about the Eagles. The Eagles have a stretch where they're on the road three straight weeks. They go to Minnesota, to Dallas, and to Buffalo. Weeks six, seven, and eight, which are late, mid to late October. It pretty much runs the last, I think, three weeks October. Mm-hmm. And he said, because he was asked about, you know, what about places – Oh, no, he actually volunteered the information. He said, you know, there are certain places in the NFL, certain stadiums, that share real estate yeah. with another professional Dallas. organization. Dallas is one of them. Kansas City. Philadelphia is the one that gets really sticky because you've got their basketball arena and you've yeah. got uh, Citizens Bank Park and you've got Lincoln Financial all in that same area. Right. And so he said, I'll give you an example. I know Philadelphia Eagles fans are not real happy about this. But we put them on the road in those three weeks because we worried about the Phillies and Bryce Harper being a playoff team. Which I can't believe they take into consideration. You know, Baltimore yeah. has some close proximity as well. Yeah. The Ravens and the Orioles. But the Orioles. Although you don't have to worry about the Orioles. Right. And so Mike's comment was Eagles fans can thank Bryce Harper for the Eagles going on the road for three straight weeks. So I was and they like, like Bryce Harper. Yeah. So it was interesting to hear him say that. And then. The one of the Phillies aspect. are leading the NL East right now. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. Long way to go. And I know people will say, well, what about the Astros? We don't same, share the same real estate. The Phillies and the Eagles share the same parking lot. Yeah. they say, that, And that's a complete difference. So I thought that was interesting. And the other aspect that he got into was particular players that they, I mean, literally players that they know the networks want to have on television. And he said they got very little pushback from the networks at all. He said one team was trying to push back on the schedule like, this, whoa, this is wild. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's Oakland. Oakland, on the schedule, they play the first two at home. They get Denver and KC at home. Then check this out. They go to Minnesota. They go to Indianapolis. Then they get a home game against Chicago in London. They get a bye week. Then they go to Green Bay, and then here. Boy. That's seven weeks of not playing a game in Oakland. This is somebody said to one of the Raiders fans, week two against Kansas City will be the last game ever in the NFL played on dirt. 
That's kind of sad in a way. I know, it not is. Not really for the players who don't enjoy that surface. But I remember playing at Miami, opening the season there in 03, and you're thinking, oh, Miami Dolphins Stadium, right? The Marlins still played there they still then, played and there. And you had to deal with the infield dirt. Won a championship that year. They won the World Series that year. But, yeah, it, and I saw somebody say week two, because it's week two by the time they get to their, their next home game after that is Detroit, week nine which week nine is the last week in October. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what happens when you're building a new house and you have to rent. Coming up, Bill O'Brien's thoughts on the schedule and what some other Texans opponents are dealing with with the 2019 slate. It's all happening on Texans Radio. It's the show that gets you inside the building, NRG Stadium. And speaking of inside the building, the head coach has been working day and night getting ready for the 2019 campaign, and he had thoughts on the schedule. Drew Doherty caught up with him on Texans TV Let's find out what Bill O'Brien thinks of the slate in 2019. What stands out the most to you when you look at this schedule first time? Well, you know, obviously the first game. You know, you, you look at that first game, and, and it's really an interesting time of the year because you've just started the offseason program, and, and the schedule comes out at a time where it really creates uh, a little bit more focus, uh, and, and everybody's uh, looking at that New Orleans game. And, you know, obviously a, a, a great opportunity for us against a great football team, uh, Sean Payton, Excellent head coach, uh, Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback. So uh, monumental challenge for us, but something that uh, we're, all, we're all looking forward to. Yeah, and before the schedule even came out, you knew you're going to see a lot of great quarterbacks this season too, right? No, no doubt. You know, I think that's the thing, and that's, that's where you, you want to go against the best, and, uh, you know, we see it throughout the schedule. You know, obviously in our own division, you know, I think we all know the quarterbacks in our own division. We've got a great division uh, of teams and coaches and then, you know, some really good quarterbacks. And then obviously Drew Brees, uh, you know, Tom Brady, you know, we, we, we've got some guys uh, that we're facing, Patrick Mahomes, you know, that are going to be big challenges for us. Primetime-wise, get you, you get a fair slate of games. Obviously the league thinks highly of you. How do you view the, the primetime slate that's headed? I think it's way? great. You know, I think anytime you have a chance to play on Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, I think it's great for the players, the fans, uh, you know, obviously the road games are a little bit more difficult, uh, but that's 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 really the challenge. You know, can, can you can you be ready and focused and and to be at your best on, on those nights on the road? That's a big deal. And but I think overall, you know, those prime time games mean so much to our players, uh, to us as coaches, our organization, and our fans. Yeah, and it reflected last year the way you played. I mean, you're four and one in prime time games. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, every game's important. I don't think there's any way that uh, any coach would tell you that, hey, this game's more important than that one because it's at night and it's this and it's that. But I do think that there's something special relative to the tradition of our of our game in the NFL, playing on a Monday night, playing on a Sunday night. You know, those are. Uh, those are unique opportunities where you're really the only show in town and a uh, great, great opportunity for our players. You've had experience as an assistant playing in London. What do you think about playing there week nine against the Jaguars? It's, it's a road game, but, you know, you're getting to play in a neutral site. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really unique experience. We, we did this uh, when I was in New England, so it was 10 years ago. It was 2009. We played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over there. The, the deal is you got to win the game. That makes it a great experience, but uh, – you know, it's, I think it's unique where you're able to organizationally go out to London. You're there to play a game, but uh, it, it has that that feel of uh, overseas. Uh, a lot of things going on in a great city in London. We're focused on the game. We have to stay focused on the game, but it's a great opportunity uh, to to showcase the NFL uh, in, in London. 
And then uh, what's the toughest part of that trip other than playing the Jaguars, you think? I think, well, the toughest part, yeah, like you said, is playing the Jaguars, a really good football team. Uh, Nick Foles, now a quarterback. Doug Marone, great head coach. So uh, that's the biggest challenge. But I think logistically, you know, the offseason right now during this time of the year, uh, getting, getting the plan straight. You know, we have people over there right now looking at London hotels, where we might be able to practice, those types of things. I think it's more about our administrative staff who does a great job just going over there and making sure everything's in line so we can, we can really hit the ground running when we get there. All right, there's some reaction from Bill O'Brien sitting down with Drew Doherty talking about the schedule for 2019. All right, a few other things here, Johnny. We mentioned what the Colts are dealing with because I like this. I like looking at what the other mm-hmm. teams have to deal with and the fact that they have to go to Kansas City, they have to go to New Orleans. I like that a lot. I remember this was going down in 2015 when the Texans lost to Carolina and they had that horrible start to the season and the Colts had a bad season as well. And you're only hoping that that, that would continue. I remember them playing at Carolina. You know, yep. So you have a lot of similarities here, but we talked about it. They get the Dolphins. They get Pittsburgh, though, yeah. on the road mm-hmm. as their NFC North opponent. The Texans get the Ravens yep. on the road. I don't know. I mean, if I had to pick between those two, I would say, yeah, give me the Ravens on the road over the Steelers. I don't want to see the Steelers. Yeah, I think the Steelers are going to – I think they're going to be fine. Look, James Conner became, became a Pro Bowler. They'll too. be tough. Not that the Ravens aren't tough, and right. the Browns are pretty tough this year. Yeah, I mean, they, they proved last year without Le'Veon Bell that they could get things done. They won't have Juju. But they've got James Washington, who's got to grow up very quickly. He's a second-rounder in last year's draft. So I think offensively they're going to be fine. I think the Steelers have really got to find a couple of – got to find a couple of players in this draft. They got one in TJ at number 30. And the thing for the Steelers, they've been drafted down in the 20s you know, for, for most of the this – the, this is, I think, the earliest that the Steelers have drafted in a while. They've got to take advantage of this. They've got to end up with a linebacker like Devin Bush or Devin White or somebody that can change the game for them uh, on the inside. But – yeah, Indy's got to go to Pittsburgh. You mentioned New England. We play New England week 13. Mm-hmm. Home, Sunday night game. Right. So New England goes, check this out. This is not going to be easy for them. New England, starting in week 10. they got to buy in week 10. Well, I'm sorry. They go week 9, they're at Baltimore. Then they get a buy, they're at Philly. Then they get Dallas at home. Then they got to face us here and they turn back around and face Kansas City the following Sunday night. Ooh. That's New England's stretch. Now, if you don't catch New England mm-hmm. before that, they finish with Buffalo and Miami. I'm sorry. They finish with at Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Miami. I've so you f- better get them before that. I, so you're talking about New England. But I got a fact check here. It's not Sunday night. It's Sunday at 325 Central. Oh, the uh, KC game? KC, Yeah, New KC, England. yeah. That, that, that makes could, sense because we play them on a Sunday night the week before. It could so very sense. well be flexed, it could. though, at that point. I was shocked that that wasn't a primetime game. Kansas yeah. City at New England after what happened last year? I guess they figure they're probably going to get Kansas City New England in the playoffs at some point, uh, so I, mean, I don't know. I, I just think that well, they, I'm, trying to see, I'm trying to figure out what else they have. They couldn't fit it in. What's the Sunday Yeah, what's the Sunday game that week? And not only that, but why didn't they have – that's weird. It, I, I was shocked that's not – I'm shocked that's not a Sunday game or Sunday night game. But that's a tough stretch at Baltimore, by at Philly, Dallas, and even before Baltimore, they get Cleveland. They get Cleveland at home, at right. Baltimore, then a bye, then at Philly, Dallas, at Houston, and KC. So they'll face Baker, Lamar, Wentz, Prescott, Watson, Mahomes. Okay, so the Sunday night game, the week that the Patriots and Chiefs are playing, week fourteen, and it's an afternoon game. 
for them. The Sunday night game is Seahawks at Rams, which is a really good one. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's a really good that's one. Pretty good. But if one of those teams is imploding, and you would think not, but if one of those teams happens to be imploding, oh, I'll give you one that will get flexed out. You ready for this one? That's okay. going to get flexed out late in the season. Vikings at Chargers. My confidence level in the Chargers is not extremely high. And my confidence level in the Vikings not extremely high. In fact, I am shocked, Johnny, that that is a late-season, pre-scheduled Sunday night game. The Vikings and the Ch- – now watch this. They'll both be like 15-0 going into that thing. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean – some of the some of the AFC NFC matchups this year, I think, are pretty interesting. Obviously, you get them every every four years, but Vikings Chargers, you go at first glance, you go, but then you think, well, wait a second, that can get kind of that can get kind of interesting. A little Kirk Cousins v. Philip Rivers, one of those teams. Well, Minnesota sort of faded last year. I think Minnesota's got a better chance of coming back in the Kubiak offense. Yes, Kevin Stefanski takes over as offensive coordinator. His right-hand man is going to be Gary Kubiak. So Minnesota's going to be interesting. I think the Chargers could come back to the pack a little bit. Yeah. I think the Chargers I, I are the team too. Yeah, I, I think the AFC West is not going to be they last put together two really good years in a row? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, let, let me throw this one at you, uh, and this is a subtopic, really. Wolves in sheep's clothing, fan bases in Houston. Closet fan bases. Of course, the Cowboys are the Steelers. biggest one. Steelers. Steelers. But that here's another Christmas one for Day you. game was yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I think here. a lot of people might have come in for it, but yeah, yeah you're right. They're, they're everywhere. Packers, a lot of Packers are Definitely. Around, but the Kansas City Chiefs, there are a lot of Kansas oh City people. Oh, my gosh. And they all seem to work in radio. You know, oh you notice this? Yeah, well. They all work in radio. They seemingly do. But that at that level, they. I'll never forget when they beat us in that playoff game, thirty to nothing. And I, I went over to the other side because at that point, I want to throw up. That I, you mentioned that. I, I was way. like, oh, I was glad the season was over at that point. I was, we were all tired. I think it was just kind of a grind at last. It last was emotionally half year. draining coming back from two and five. But it's I was to us like we covered the team. It's emotionally know. draining for us. No, oh, yeah, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. I went over to the other side of the field to do my post game. Uh, at that point, I was doing it with Patty Smith, and so I walked over and. I said goodbye to you guys, gave the mic, and I went over there. So I watched the last couple minutes, and the fans from Kansas City had all come down into the the 100 oh, level. And I awful. mean, it was like, and they, I mean, they filled it up. They filled it up like Katie High School does. Yeah. Like if you ever been to a Katie High School playoff <laughs> game, they fill up the 100 level and then the 200 or 300 they were level. Katie fans. Oh my gosh, they and oh, they were obnoxious. But I mean, you know, look, good fans are obnoxious. Listen, we do the same thing when we when we go on the road. Traveling Texans all move down to the 100 yeah. level. Yeah, we got to sure. lead, and all those other fans leave. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, yeah, they they're do that disappointed. In they're they're miserable, and you're happy. All right, so the Chiefs open. Get this. Yeah, you saw this. Yeah, at the Jags, at the Raiders. Oh, poopsie! You're on the road two consecutive games, but it's the, all right. The Jags could be better. They're going to be better, but it's the Raiders. I know. They, then they host the Ravens. All right, okay. And then they're at the Lions. Look, there are no easy outs in the NFL, but that's an interesting opening four for them. But then it gets harder in a hurry as the Colts will visit and mm-hmm. then the Texans will visit. Then they got to go to Denver where they struggled last year. So they're going to get Luck, Watson, Flacco, Rodgers, Cousins, and then they've got two games right before the bye where they go to Tennessee and to the Chargers. So it's good. And they don't get the bye till week 12. They got to go 11 straight, and that game against the Chargers in Mexico City. Wow, because San Diego gives up a home game because they're playing in the band box. You mean L.A.? Oh, did I say San Diego? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
but I'm not sorry. It's a sorry, not sorry for me. Well, you know what's happening to me is every time I see LAC on the on the schedule, because LAR, I think of Clippers. Yeah, of course. I automatically think of the Clippers. I'm like, dang it. They're it playing should, the Clippers? It should be LAC lowercase h. Little h. That would the help. Because cha- the, the Rams Chargers. are LAR. Like, I've gotten used to that one. And because the Rams were LA at some point. And look, the Chargers were once Los Angeles, but that was well before I was born. And so I don't remember. And that was only for a year. So, from that standpoint, I see LAC. I'm like, the Clippers? Like, Patrick Beverly is going to go lock up you know, Tyreek Hill? <laughs> the Wolverine. <laughs> you know, uh, you talked about the opening stretch of quarterbacks for the Houston Texans. But yeah. uh, with six games to go, you have a back-to-back with Tom Brady and Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck first yeah, with fun. the Thursday night game. The good thing about this is you have the mini-buy. You have that Thursday night game, and then you have that weekend off yeah. to get ready for New England, and I kind of like that right there. And at least you get this back-to-back at home. Well, last year you won a Thursday game at home, and so you got to try and do that. The problem is is when you have faced the Colts, you're 0-3, I think, against the Colts right? with Thursday night games. I know since I've been in the building, we lost one at 14, we lost one at 15, lost those two, and hopefully we don't lose this one. But uh, yeah. that, thir- that Thursday night game against the Colts, man, I there's just something about it. But, you know, we'll see where this team is at that point. Look, so much changes in the first couple weeks of the season. All of a sudden you think a team's going to be like, I mean, you, who thought? I mean, how many different mock drafts did I see when we were 0-3 and we had, I think, the first pick in the draft? You know, yep. because we were 0-3 and then we end up winning, you know, 11 of the next 13. And if we had one other, we would have been the number one seed in the AFC. And like how, how things change at that point. So things can change in a hurry. You know teams are going to come back to the pack, and the Chargers, I think, are one of those teams. Jacksonville will be a little bit better than they will. Maybe right. Tennessee's not as good as they were last year. And you know there's going to be a surprise team. There's going to be a surprise team that we're not thinking about that you look at and go, oh, man, I did not see them coming. Like the Jets. Like I think the Jets would be a prime candidate for that, where it clicks for Darnold. They get him a couple more weapons on offense. Go Robbie Gase Anderson, Le'Veon puts Bell. It together. He has, he has a playoff together. season under his belt in Somebody Miami. gets hurt in New England, and somehow it all kind all of kind of works. Uh, sign me up for that. Okay, not that I want to see people get no, hurt. No, no, no. I don't just, want to see people get just hurt. Just something kind of minor to keep them out of action, like Tom Brady retiring. That would be great. Yeah. All right, Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. We'll have a show for Good Friday tomorrow. It's going to be good, so join us. 6 o'clock tomorrow. Go to HoustonTexans.com for all the videos, schedule information, everything you need to know about your favorite team. Have a great night, and go Texans!